0: Let's open our Bibles to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. More about Jesus was a prayer that we just made. And it was Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus that Colin read to us from the third chapter. But after we pray for it, we should go seek Him in the pages of Scripture. Seek Him in songs. Seek Him meditation. Seek musing upon Him. We can't just pray for it without using the means that He's given us. We have so many witty inventions. For instance, last evening, after the devotional chapters that were recommended and several others around them that Sherry and I enjoyed, I wanted to hear some Messianic Psalms. So she carries these little devices with her that I don't carry. A smartphone and an iPad. And either one will simply read the Bible to us. So sitting... On the back deck with a perfect evening last night. I just started through the Psalms. Psalm two. You know, and had some refreshments there, enjoying God's creation and hearing Psalm two. Then there would be Psalm eight, which I forgot last evening. Psalm 16, Psalm 22, Psalm 40, Psalm 45, Psalm 110, Psalm 102, Psalm 89. Working your way through the book of Psalms for those psalms that are about the Lord Jesus Christ. There's these guys that will just come around and read to you. Just She just taps on this thing and it reads to us. And it's plenty loud enough for both of us. Just an idea. One of many to be thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ. We follow along, letting someone else read, and thinking upon him who died for us. More of his saving fullness, see. Jesus paid it all. There's nothing left. He's washed it all away and made us white as snow. We want to take up here in the time that we have in this second assembly for taking up the third trait The third thing that the New Testament describes as important to a local church that is a great church. And that is prayer. And if you want a simple two word explanation for what we want to cover when you go home, pray more. That's simple, isn't it? Pray more. We should be praying people and we can pray more than we do. We already pray publicly and privately. But we want to increase in this spiritual exercise. You know and I know by experience that we pray more when our needs are greater. Don't we? It's a shame, but we do. We both know that by experience and conviction we pray more when we're closer to the Lord. So that prayer is a barometer of the spiritual health of a soul and the spiritual health of a church for it reflects spiritual-mindedness. If we're thinking upon spiritual things, then we want to pray. We want to tell the Lord how much we love Him. We want to thank Him for all that He is. We want to thank and praise Him for all that He's done. And we want to lay before Him our petitions, the most important of which are our spiritual needs. So it's prayer that is very important for a church to be great in the sight of the Lord. It is not praise. It's prayer. Praise has its place. And I love praise. But it's prayer. If you run the word prayer and praise through the New Testament, you'll find out which is greater in emphasis among the churches of Jesus Christ. It's the spiritual exercise of communicating with the Lord, blessing, thanking, and petitioning Him for our needs. Prayer is the activity, exercise, and fellowship of of a soul that is close to God and a soul that is close to His Word. It's the most powerful thing you can do for your soul, your marriage, your family, your children, this church, and the nation. You voting in a number of months is not going to change America. You praying could change America. Single individuals have changed nations before, and they're listed in the Word of God as five great men. Your prayer can change things. We want to be thinking about the importance of prayer. Recent reminders were a Wednesday night slide presentation I gave to you several weeks ago called The Power of Prayer, but really the lesson then was the same as it is today. Pray more. There's a movie that the Kendrick brothers have released that used to be associated with the Sherwood Baptist Church in Albany, Georgia, called War Room. And it's about a black woman's closet where she takes post-it notes and puts up the needs in her life, and she considers it her war room because she's a prayer warrior wrestling and striving with the Lord for needs that He brings her way. All the... All the thoughts and concepts and the bottom line goal when you walk away from that movie is pray more. Are there a few faults with the movie? Of course. But they're small and they're insignificant. For a movie that you want to get the bottom line of pray more, it sufficiently does the job. Jesus is the one 2,000 years ago that said to go into your closet and pray in private and your heavenly Father will answer you openly. That was to contradict and oppose the Pharisees that prayed openly and God wouldn't answer them because they were already getting the answer to their prayer and that is men saw them as really spiritual guys. And so Jesus said, you've got your reward. But if you'll go home, you Pharisees got your reward if you'll go home and get in a closet, meaning just get in a private place and beseech me, I'll reward you openly so that you'll be getting the answers openly that they don't get while you pray privately, which they don't do. Anyway, that's just another example of a a little prompt that the Lord has given us. I will commend the three Kendrick brothers that have been involved... One more has moved to South Georgia to be with the other two brothers, Alex and Stephen. I can't remember the third one's name right now. But uh, they have come out with some great movies. We really appreciated Courageous. They set the spiritual bi- bar very high for fathers. We saw Fireproof, some of you did, that was about marriages and the love dares and that of getting a husband and a wife to commit to each other to do th- certain special things for a number of days to revive marriages. There was Facing the Giants, and there was Flywheel. And as they have progressed from their $20,000 budget for Flywheel to their, yeah, uh, you know, a million dollar budget, they've been successful. Do you notice all the religious, almost fundamentalist, conservative Christian movies that have come out in the last five years? Because Hollywood recognizes there is a bigger market niche than they realized existed. But anyway, they set the bar spiritually high and courageous, and when you have a movie that is dealing with prayer in a closet, that's a little unusual. Uh, you know, there's no Mary. There's none of this. You know, there is chasing the devil out of the house. But listen, if you're going to have anybody with a charismatic background involved in... Uh, the praying, then you're going to have a few kooky things come up. Uh, You know, the black woman's out in the yard yelling, this house is under new management. You know, meaning, uh, uh, not the old woman, a younger woman copying the older woman. But uh, the point is, all of that was to say, and to be a little later for a few minutes, pray more. It is the most powerful thing you can do for yourself, your marriage, your future, your job, Every part of your life, your schooling, your, the church, the nation, Lord help us. Reading and understanding the Bible. David would open up the Bible with these kind of words. Lord, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. That's how you should read the Bible. Because when you read the Bible, unless the Lord pulls the blinders off and shows you the truth that he has concealed there, that truth will not be revealed to you. We sing that in a song, break thou the bread of life to me, that the truth concealed can be revealed if God will do it for us. The importance of prayer can hardly be calculated by the great influence that we can have. The five great intercessors that are listed in the Bible are Moses, Samuel, Noah, Daniel, and Job. Those five men were intercessors, meaning they prayed on the behalf of others, and God heard their individual prayers and saved, blessed, protected, and favored others. It's a great list. Moses could pray for the whole church. How many times did God want Moses to step back a little ways so his clothes wouldn't get burned and he would burn up the whole nation? How many times? But Moses would fall flat on his face and beg God, and then reason with the Lord very intelligently by quoting statements that God had made to him earlier, reminding him of those promises, and so bring about God's mercy toward Israel. Job had to pray for his three friends because the Lord wasn't going to hear their prayers because of the way they had treated his friend Job. Daniel prayed for the whole nation, and confessed the sins of the whole nation in Daniel chapter 9 and was given the prophecy of the 70 weeks that led all the way to Messiah. Samuel prayed for the whole nation and killed a sucking lamb and offered as a sacrifice and named that place Ebenezer. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. These were great men, and we want to be intercessors like they were. Noah is in the list because the only good person we know that was in the ark is Noah. But he saved his whole family. And we want to be intercessors that way. Right. Great things, both natural and spiritual, happen by prayer in both testaments. Jesus taught us to ask and to seek and to knock by praying. And he would hear us. And now we have James chapter 4. This is what the Bible also teaches us. Verse 2, James four two. Ye lust, and have not. Ye kill, and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight, and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. So Jesus said, ask, and you shall receive. James says, you don't have, because you haven't asked. You have not, because you ask not. If we want our church to achieve in the sight of God something exceeding magnifical, we need to ask for it because we have not, because we ask not. And so we want to ask for those things that please God the most that would be spiritual improvements in our lives. Once we get our spiritual lives where they should be, then we can pray for our bodies because that's the order. Do you know where you find that? That is in Third John where John said to his beloved Gaius I would that you pro-, let's let's read it so that we get it exactly as it is in the word of God third John verse 2 beloved i wish above all things that thou mayest prosper see that's economic blessing and be in health physical blessing blessing even as thy soul prospereth So the one was already in place and John is praying for the other two to catch up. But we want to make sure our souls are prospering. More than economic prosperity, more than physical health, we want spiritual vitality and victorious Christian living bearing the fruit of the Spirit and putting off and mortifying the works of the flesh. That is what we want. And then let the Lord add the others to us. But we have not because we ask not. Brother Mark read to us this morning from Matthew chapter 17 that if we had faith like a grain of a mustard seed. Now I didn't bring my mustard seeds today. I didn't bring that little jar of little tiny mustard seeds that are very small shot. If you if you know what I'm talking about when I say shot, they're smaller than BB's. But if you had faith as this little tiny seed that Jesus said is one of the smallest seeds... You could move mountains. And those mountains are not Peach Mountain that I live near or Paris Mountain that we live near that I used to think as a child why the Lord didn't answer my prayer when I would go out into a field and ask for Peach Mountain to go into Portage Lake. Because I was being a fool. I was a childish fool. Yeah, there was a Portage Lake. I grew up living on lakes. And there was Paris, there was Peach Mountain. It's Paris Mountain here. You know, I'd thunder away, and it didn't move at all. But you know what? I have not thundered away. I've got on my knees and asked for the Lord to remove mountains in my life, and He has removed mountains in my life. Amen. What looked to me like insurmountable, impossible difficulties, He has removed. And all we need is faith. As a grain of a mustard seed. Now Jesus used the metaphor. He's the one that picked the word mountain. And he's the one that picked the word mustard seed. He didn't pick an acorn. An acorn could eat a hundred mustard seeds. An acorn's huge. He didn't say acorn. He didn't say coconut. He said if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. Do you get on your knees... And believe. You can move mountains. Thank you, Lord, for the encouragement and the importance of prayer that you give us in the Bible. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. This is the passage that Colin read to us this morning. I want the last two verses that I often leave off because I love ending with the last five words of verse 19 when I look at Paul's prayer For God the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus Christ in all the dimensions of Christ's love for us to these saints. But look what it says about prayer in those last two verses. Now unto him that is able... Do you have any question about God's ability? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, the Holy Spirit, unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And so ends the first half of the book of Ephesians, and the second half takes up just like Romans does with the word therefore, that based on all that God has done for us, what should we be doing for Him? And so chapters 4, 5, and 6 Our our duties, chapters 1, 2, and 3, are God's blessings to us. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above what we might ask or think. Therefore we should ask. If God has said he'll do above, abundantly above, exceeding abundantly above, what we ask or think, then let's do some asking or thinking so that he can do exceeding abundantly above what we ask or think. If we don't ask or think, and He does exceeding abundantly above what we don't ask or think, we're not going to get anything. And I'm not talking about more of this. I'm talking about more more of this, and more of this, and more of this. And more victorious spiritual Christian living in our lives. Lord, help us to that end. Do you remember when I preached to you knowing God a couple of years ago, I worked up through four levels, four categories of the attributes of God to what I considered the crowning jewels. And they weren't His omnipotence and His omniscience and His invisibility and His immortality. They were things like vulnerability because they were how God relates to us. God has chosen to be vulnerable to us in prayer. We should take advantage of that blessed privilege where he makes himself vulnerable. Jacob out-wrestled the Lord. Jacob beat the Lord. The Lord said, it's almost morning and I want to go. Let me go. He had him in a stronghold and he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Did he get his blessing? He definitely got his blessing, and he got a bigger one than that. He had his name changed from Jacob to Israel, and Israel means as a prince, you have power with God, and you prevailed. You won the wrestling match. Well, now, that's only possible if God has the attribute of vulnerability by choosing to make himself vulnerable to us in prayer. When you get down on your knees in your closet or while you're driving your car and you call upon the God of heaven in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, blessing and praising Him and thanking Him for the good things He's done for you and you ask for something in your life, believing in faith that He will do it, He can move mountains in your life. He can move mountains in our church. And so we want to add prayer to those things that we want to pursue in the months and years ahead of us, if Jesus Christ tarries, so that we might be a better church. You know, God and Jesus Christ have not only made themselves vulnerable to us in prayer, but uh, they've made us responsible for our own deficiencies by not praying. Because they've told us, you have not because you ask not. Now look at Second Chronicles chapter 7 with me. Second Chronicles chapter 7 last evening, hopefully you read 2 Chronicles chapter 6, in which Solomon dedicated his temple, and his dedication was kind of interesting. He kept saying over and over and over again, and this is the spiritual exercise that I wanted you to gather from the chapter, prayer. Prayer is mentioned maybe more times in 2 Chronicles 6 than any other chapter of the Bible. If we're bad... And you pound us, and we're in a foreign nation, captive there, and we repent and turn toward this temple, will you hear from heaven, please? This is Solomon. If we're bad, and you pound us, and you send the pestilence, and so we're all sick and we're dying, if we turn toward this house, will you hear from heaven and deliver us? So it was all about prayer. That Old Testament church with... And that temple was all about prayer. He didn't say, Lord, when we come around, would you drop fire down from heaven again? Once a year could we have the fire show? Maybe on the 4th of July. Would you drop fire from heaven? Would you get us all excited? No. It was all about prayer. That even the Old Testament church realized that to have God's presence on earth was an automatic invitation for prayer and so Solomon went through these different situations that could arise that if they would turn toward Jerusalem and pray toward that place where the temple was, God would hear from heaven. Let me chase a short rabbit with a 10-gauge, 4-inch uh, magnum. Muhammad and his moon-worshipping Muslims. You've all seen them try to go for a magic carpet ride before, Right? They all carry these little magic carpets around, and they put them down. They get on them with their knees and knees, and put their heads down to reduce the, the the to improve the aerodynamics, because they're hoping to go for a magic carpet ride five times a day. Right? You're familiar with it. They're always aping the true religion of the God of the Bible. Right. Jehovah built a temple through David and Solomon on Mount Moriah of the mountains that made up the city of Jerusalem. And Solomon said, you have given us your presence here because the Lord's presence filled the house and the priest couldn't minister because of the presence of the Lord. If we, wherever we are in a time of need, pray toward this house, which is your presence on earth, will you hear from heaven and deliver us? That's Jehovah's religion. They've stolen everything they have for their little magic carpet rides. They pray toward Mecca. Daniel, remember in Babylon, even though there was an edict against praying to any god but Darius, he opened his bedroom window and three times a day did what he had always done. He knelt and prayed toward Jerusalem. Even though there wasn't a temple there, it had been leveled to the ground 70 years earlier by Nebuchadnezzar. It was the place of God's presence on earth. They've stolen that. I just want you to understand why in the Old Testament they prayed toward that place where God chose to dwell on earth. In the New Testament, we have these comforting words. 1 Timothy 2.8 I will therefore that men pray everywhere. Because we don't have a geographical limitation to God like they did then with temple worship. And Jesus told the woman of Sychar of Samaria that neither in your mountain of Gerizim nor in Jerusalem is God going to be worshipped in the future. He's seeking those that will worship Him in spirit and in truth, not in a physical place. We can pray to the new Jerusalem which is above. And so we do in the New Testament Do we lift up, lift up holy hands toward heaven? Because from wherever we are on earth, our Jerusalem, our Zion is above. And so it says, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And there's a lot in that little verse. Hopefully we'll have time to race back to it. Second Chronicles 6 is the one you read last evening where Solomon said, Then hear thou, then hear thou, then hear thou over and over the prayers of the Jews when they would pray toward this place because God chose this place to reveal Himself to His people. Now, there's a verse that you've heard many, many times. And I just want you to know the context for it. And it still has value as a principle of praying. And it's in the next chapter. Verse 12 tells us, the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. You know, if I shut up heaven so that there's no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, here's the verse you've all heard. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open, and mine ears attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. So that 14th verse you've heard before. I would say that almost every Christian alive in America in the last fifty years has heard Second Chronicles chapter seven and verse fourteen. I just want you to know its context was in light of Solomon saying, "When we pray toward this house, will you hear and deliver?" And the Lord says, "Yes, I have chosen this house to be my place, and I will hear." But boy, there are some great things in that fourteenth verse that we may draw by way of principle to how we ought to pray. In the New Testament, verse 14, If my people, which are called by my name, we are called Christians because we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 11 and verse 28, of, in Antioch of Syria, the disciples were first called Christians. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. He must increase, we must decrease. Let's humble ourselves and get down before Him as the sinners that we are. Isaiah humbled himself in the presence of God by saying, Woe! Woe is me! For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Let's humble ourselves, and let's pray. Let's actually go through the verbal, mental exercise of pronouncing either mentally or verbally, sentences to God of blessing, praise, and petition. And seek my face. Want to know God better, and want to know His will for your life, and turn from their wicked ways, which is real humility, is to repent. Then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land." The New Testament would say the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The two verses say the same thing in different words of how we pray effectually and fervently and righteously by turning from our wicked ways fervently by seeking the face of God and humbling ourselves. That's the passion of getting ourselves down. You are right. I am wrong. I need your help. I'm helpless myself. That is fervency. Local New Testament churches are the temples of God. And he inhabits them. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that the Holy Spirit inhabits his local churches. So we have the same thing that Solomon had, except better. But as Solomon's temple was filled with the presence of God, we have the New Testament church that is filled with the presence of God. Therefore, prayer should be a part of of a New Testament church because it's a temple of God like Solomon's Old Testament temple. Are you with me? If Solomon would build this magnificent structure to the Lord, where the Lord would come and inhabit it, and his thought is on prayer, 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 and more prayer, the Lord has built this out of the living stones of this congregation, and he inhabits it. Therefore, An emphasis ought to be on prayer, 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 and more prayer. Because we have not, because we ask not. And he tells us to ask. And now I want to show you how much asking there is. This morning I started out with Hezekiah, and their prayers went up into the holy dwelling place of God. What did Anna do with her life? Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 2. What did that woman Anna do? Now she lived in the transitional period of time from the Old Testament to the New Testament. She was an old woman. She only had a husband a few years, seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of 84 years. But what would she do all those decades? Luke 2.36, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years which departed not from the temple but served god with fastings and prayers night and day now that's some praying that's some serious praying by this woman we want to realize that example is in the bible for us now look at luke chapter 6 and this is one of many places that could be raised. By the way, 1 Timothy chapter 5 tells us that a widow indeed lives like Anna. 1 Timothy 5.5 5. We want to look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 6.12 And it came to pass in those days that He, that is Jesus, went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. The Gospels tell us on several places that Jesus withdrew Himself to get away and to pray all night to God. Was Jesus a perfect man? Was Jesus the God-man? Did Jesus ever sin? Did Jesus still understand the value and power of prayer? And the need for prayer? Yes! What, what about us? Lord, help us to pray more. Remember, all you've got to do is get one two-word lesson. Pray more, and then go home and do it. Actually do it. Pray more in your life. Look at Acts chapter 1. I don't think I have time to do what I wanted to do, but uh, Acts chapter 1, I wanted to show you, since it's called the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts in its 28 chapters is a history of the early church, and you can just go through its pages looking for the word pray, prayer, prayeth, prayed, Praying and see how many times they prayed. Prayer was an important part of the early church. Look at verse 13. And when they were come into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Elpheus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. After our Lord's resurrection, his brothers were converted, his mother continued on, and the other women, Mary Magdalene and others, joined the apostles, and they're in an upper room with one accord. They have one intention. They're entirely united. They have one mind in the matter. Prayer and supplication. Did God send them anything? The power of Pentecost was unloaded on the early church and their praying. Oh Lord, what a great example. Acts chapter 2. As soon as Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were converted and baptized. Verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Acts 2.42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. It was a praying church before Pentecost. It was a praying church after Pentecost. Acts 3.1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Three o'clock in the afternoon. Acts chapter four was read to you by Bryant. When they were persecuted and threatened not to preach in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they went and had a prayer meeting and they called upon the God of heaven who's created all things and whose prophecy in Psalm two said that kings would unite themselves against his Christ. And they begged for God to have mercy upon them and bless them to preach the word of God boldly. And the place was shaken. And they went and preached the Word of God boldly. Acts chapter 6. Why were there deacons ordained? In Acts 6, because of prayer. Verse 2, the second half, the apostles said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. We, as the apostles of Jesus Christ, should not be wasting our time taking care of widows when others can do that simpler job. Verse 4, if if you men, if you church would pick out seven men meeting our qualifications for deacons, we'll ordain them, verse 4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Ministers should be engaged in two principal activities, even the apostles that operated by direct inspiration from God, which your pastor doesn't have at all. Not direct inspiration. He's got providential mercies of the Holy Spirit that open things to Him at times and cause Him to remember things even in the night, but not like they had it. And so there were deacons in order to keep the ministry praying. Now I could uh, hit you up with just about every other chapter in the book of Acts, but we're going to run out of time. So I'm not going to do that. Let me just share a couple of interesting ones with you. When... Philip, a deacon, but also an evangelist, went to Samaria. He wasn't an apostle. So when he baptized those people, they didn't get the Holy Spirit. So they had to call for Peter and John to come up from Jerusalem. And we have the, we have it told to us, verse 15, that when Peter and John got there, who... When they were come down, that is, came down in altitude, but went up, as far as the compass is concerned, who, when they were come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. There in verse 17. Prayer and the Holy Spirit. In Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus said, that you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, and if your children ask of you a fish, you're not going to give them a scorpion. If your children ask bread, you're not going to give them a stone. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Luke 11 and verse 13. So need number two in our church of the Holy Spirit is partially met by need number three, and that is praying more for the Holy Spirit. Right. And both of them are met by the first one because Jesus Christ, by the shedding of His blood, bought the Holy Spirit for us and opens up the way for us to pray straight into the presence of God, for we are our own priests, made so by the high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Saul of Tarsus. Look at the, third, the fourth word of Acts chapter 9. And Saul, yet breathing. The man was just a foaming madman against the Christians. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter. He has a little encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ on the way to Damascus. Now there's another man in Damascus named Ananias, a certain disciple. And God appeared to him and said, Ananias, I need you to go over and find Saul of Tarsus. And uh, I think you should baptize him. And Ananias said, Lord, have you heard about this man? He's killing Christians everywhere that he can. But do you know what the Bible says about Saul of Tarsus that is a little amusing to Ananias to comfort him? Behold, he prayeth. <laughs> Look at verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, that is to Ananias, arise and go into the street, which is called straight. And in, there wouldn't be very many of those in Greenville. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And by the way, while he's been praying, I gave him a vision that you were going to come and see him. And so it's all wonderful, but it's predicated on prayer. Saul of Tarsus was a changed man. He became a praying man. And so forth. We could go through the rest of the book of acts look at ephesians chapter 6 ephesians 6 what can our church do to be better going into the future to please god more and more what can we do more of we can pray more let's just think of prayer as our first resort our first response at all times to things good and bad Let's just grab each other's hands. If there's another person there, let's hit our knees. When was the last time you prayed from your knees? Let's hit our knees. Let's grab hands. Let's lift up holy hands. Let's assault the throne of God. Let's strive in prayers for the church, our families, our souls, our children. He'll hear us. He promises. We have not because we ask not. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10, tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might by putting on the whole armor of God. But the activity, in addition to standing, meaning resisting and holding your ground and not giving in to temptation, is to pray. Because verse 18, after listing the pieces of armor, tells us our activity. Praying. Ephesians 6.18 Praying. Always. With all prayer. And supplication in the Spirit. There's number two. Connected to number three. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We should be a vigilant church that is assaulting the throne of God. Often begging Him for the spiritual blessings on the whole church. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And Paul says, and for me. In verse 19, he includes the ministry of the apostle. I am not sending you out of here today to go out and enjoy the prosperity of America for the next 164 hours until I see you again next Sunday morning four hours earlier than it is right now, and to live your own little life, when we go out of this place, we're supposed to be waging a war. And do you know the activity of that war? It's to put on that armor, it's to stand and not be moved, and it's to be always praying. you know, With all prayer, and supplicating God, begging Him. I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord, that even for your simple pastor, all we have to do is read the New Testament and we know what we ought to be doing more of. This isn't rocket science, is it? But let's let's be honest with each other. Do you pray as much as you should? Could? Would? If you were spiritually minded? We are pitiful. We can pray more. We can bless this church and bless our families, our children, grandchildren. Lord, have mercy upon us and bless us to do this. Remind us every day. Remind us every hour. You can pray in your car. You can pray at work. You can pray in the park. You can pray walking around your building at break time. You can pray anywhere. You can pray in your bed. You can pray in your closet. You can pray in an easy chair. You can pray on your deck. You can pray over the phone with someone. You can pray over Twitter. You can pray in an email. Prayer is not an option. I have limited time left. Understand that I can turn you to Revelation and show you that the prayers of Hezekiah and his priests that came up into the holy dwelling place of God, Jesus has made you kings and priests. And twice in the book of Revelation, it says that there is this incense floating up around God and it's the prayers of his saints. And the whole book started off with Jesus Christ making us kings and priests unto our God every one of you in here, I don't care if you're a female or young, you're all, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a king and priest in your own right, you can go straight into the presence of Jehovah God. He is waiting to give you the morning star. Do you know how dear the morning star is to Almighty God? He will hear your prayers. And if you will pray in the name of His Son that is sitting at His right hand, He will move heaven and earth on your behalf. If David could pray in Psalm 18 and it says, Then the earth shook, what will happen when we pray? We're not looking for visible demonstrations of fire falling from heaven or this building shaking down. We're looking for spiritual results and rewards of God giving us victory over sin, seeing conversions, forgiveness, mercy, power, in our church and more praying if you are convicted to pray more do you know how a big answer to prayer that is because you know how fast a 24 hour period of time can get away from you you say well I pray at every meal those don't count sorry unless you do one of my suggestions and that's pray at the end of the meal as well by praying for other things than blessing your food prayer is not an option Look at Colossians 4. I want to show you an example of a man whose praying was noted by the Apostle Paul. Colossians chapter 4. His name is Epiphras. He was a Colossian. Colossians 4.12. Epiphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you. He was with Paul now. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Notice, nothing about jobs, nothing about health. Notice what's important. And this is why the emphasis from this pulpit on praying for spiritual needs. If you will show the Lord how important spiritual things are for you, He will take care of those lesser things that hardly matter. Just like He did for Solomon. When Solomon heard the voice of God in a dream, ask what you will. Lord, I'm just a little child. I am not like David, my father. Your congregation is very large and very important. I don't know how to go out or to come in. Will you please give me a wise and an understanding heart that I can properly take care of this, thy so great a people. That's Colossians 4.12. The Lord said, I like your prayer request. I will give you long life, all your enemies' necks, and riches to boot. Do you understand the order? If he had started out with riches, or health, or long life, or his enemies, that prayer request would not have pleased the Lord nearly as much, and he would have been the loser. If you will get your prayer request rightly ordered, the sky's the limit. This prayer request is rightly ordered in Colossians 4.12. Look at this man. Always. How often is that? Laboring. Does that sound like blowing up a 30 second prayer? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his grace we all are fed. Give us God our daily bread. Is that how it goes? I've never prayed it before. I've just seen it places. Laboring, fervently, passionate for the kingdom of Christ, for the benefit of their souls, for you in prayers, and as prayer request that they might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Our desire for each other should be that each of us is standing perfect and complete in all the will of God. Right. That's the best we could ever desire for another person. Look at Romans 15.30. I want the word striving out of this verse because the wrestling with the Lord still occurs in the New Testament. Romans 15.30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Strive together. Church at Rome. Would you get together and strive together with me in your prayers to God for me? We still wrestle according to the text if we look at the word striving. How can we increase our praying? There's many more things that could be said about prayer. Maybe I'll say some of them next Sunday. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll ask you to take a few minutes this week out of 168 hours to look at the outline Let me briefly give you some ideas on how we can improve in our praying and increase our praying. We've had sermons and slide presentations about the role and power of prayer, and maybe you should review them from time to time from the website. We began men's prayer meetings 10 minutes before the first service on September twenty-first, 2008. We've been doing it for seven years. I thank my father for initiating that practice. 10 minutes to go back there, be reminded about the importance of prayer, reminded about what we want to accomplish in an assembly, and then having several men pray for it. Outstanding. We have been trying to do this. These things that I'm going to list, that I have listed and I will be listing in coming weeks, are not things that we need a great overhaul. We can just be better. And we all know it. We began a monthly schedule to pray for every member and friend in May of 2009. There is a calendar there with every one of our church mentioned by name so that you can pray for a select group, a small group, of them each day of the month. Thank you, Dad and Danielle, for that effort. We began a small pastor's prayer meeting for about 15 souls on Tuesday nights as of last November. And that will continue to go on, and the only change that might be made is I will do two nights of it Tuesday and Thursday, instead of just Tuesday. But it will be Tuesday. This Tuesday night, there will be a prayer meeting at my house for about 15 souls. How do I make the cut? Just make sure you text Sherry and get in line. She will keep track of who doesn't make it, and you'll be invited the next time. And we'll pray. And we'll pray for all the needs of the church in a godly priority of requests. You could have prayer at the end of each meal for other matters, not just before the meal, not just God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for the food, now dive in. Because you've got the family assembled at the end of the meal, if you go out to eat, I've had some wonderful dinners in this city, in homes, out in restaurants, where we prayed after each course, or before each course. Since the family is assembled and a good family doesn't let its members leave the table until the whole family is done, you have the family as a captive audience and you can pray for other things before you separate to go about your business. It can be your little daily altar or one of them. Does it say so in the Bible? Deuteronomy chapter 6 says when you're sitting in your house, Well, when are you all sitting together in your house, but around a meal? Just an idea. These are matters of Christian liberty. If you've got better ones than these, because I'm open to anything that will encourage you, me, and all of us to more praying. We can pray more at the end of our services, not just at the beginning or during. Whenever you get together with friends from the church... Make sure prayer occurs. When anything occurs in your family, use it for prayer of thanksgiving or petition. If it's a good event, bless God. If it's a need, petition Him. You may feel uncomfortable at first, and no one feels this more than me, but you can pray by phone. It ain't reverent enough for me, but it's a problem I have. What's the difference? You know, Nehemiah, when he approached the king, he was the king's cupbearer. He had some cups up there, and he's doing his praying. If Nehemiah could do that, I can certainly pray over the phone. So somebody challenge me. Call me this afternoon and say, will you pray with me? You'll push your pastor out of his comfort zone. I do like to, to write short prayers and emails. It's something you can do. You can text a prayer. Lord, give us strength today. Give us more of your Holy Spirit today. Text it to a friend. Why not? We should be praying people. Our fathers before us, when we read these pages, we're praying people. Always praying, continuing in prayer. Pray without ceasing. Lord, help us. Prayer should be the first resort or response rather than any other human substitute when you have a need. To pass a test is not studying only. It's studying and praying. Or praying and studying. Mm -hmm. And letting the Lord know, except the Lord bless the test taker, they will flunk the exam. It's Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. There should be frequent grabbing of hands. You know, grab your spouse's hands and just offer up a prayer to God or lift up holy hands to heaven and just pray in your house once, twice, five times a day. Go out and take a walk at break time. Walk around your place of employment. Bless the Lord. Yes, they'll call the funny farm, but you can tell them that you were just praying. Heather, I know they want you in there in front of a crucifix. Gail, and the rest of you that work around those Catholic hospitals. But uh, let's just pray more. Lord, help us do this. We want to reach beyond. We want to have another history review in 35 years. that is different. It looks back at this sermon series. It changed our church. We've done things that changed our church over the last 35 years. The Saturday night preparation has had enormous benefit. Thank you for the preparatory email. Enormous benefit. I can remember a day. I can remember a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I can't remember that. But I can remember where Saturday nights, because college football is played from the East Coast to the West Coast, and the East Coast games start at 12 o'clock, and the West Coast games start at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, that there was 12 hours of college football on Saturdays. It's a wonderful preparatory device for the house of God and being spiritually minded on the Lord's Day. It is how you get in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. I speak as a fool. That change of preparing and prepping at 6 p.m. on Saturday nights changed family approach to the worship of God. There's things that we've done, but I'm talking about more things. And we want to do them. We want to pursue greater effectiveness in our praying by praying the Bible way, making mention of things, not elaborating and getting ourselves exhausted, praying for one request because we wanted to inform the Lord completely. He knows before you even hit your knees, as I've already mentioned. But we want to, inc- we want to seek greater fervency. By our passionate desire for Him to intervene and grant us a greater relationship with Him. Righteousness in our lives and spiritual content of the things we pray for. Rather than closing your eyes, which the Bible doesn't tell you to do, but you you know we all think that your prayer ain't going anywhere if you pray with your eyes open, right? It's, It's really quite interesting how we've made this rule That you've got to close your eyes to pray when it's not in the Bible. But what is in the Bible, men don't do. Mm -hmm. I will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That is in the New Testament. You say, but it's also in the Old. Isn't that wonderful? You've got a double witness that you ought to be doing it. Solomon did it. Lifting up holy hands toward the one place that we need help from. The God of heaven. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. That means all your sins are confessed. You don't want to do this in front of God with sins. Holy hands. Do you know that the Lord's Supper helps you in in the couple of days leading up to the Lord's Supper to examine yourself and to confess your sins because 1 Corinthians 11 tells you to prepare that way? Well, I'm telling you that you can add something. It's, Lord, look at them. They're holy hands. First Timothy 2.8 Without wrath. Do you know what that means about your relationships? Your relationships can't have any anger or bitterness. Your relationships have all got to be peaceful because there can be no wrath or bitterness or doubting. You absolutely believe that God can and will answer your prayers. That is power praying. And it's First Timothy 2.8. Help your pastor pray more by jealously guarding his time for prayer. Most of you are very, very, very good. A word to the wise is sufficient. Your pastor is committed to praying more for the spiritual needs of the church. I want to double. I want to pray more. This is not a joke to me. If we're not going to have the best church, I don't want to have a church. If we're not going to have the best church, I don't want to pastor this church. I want to make something exceeding magnificent, and all I know how to do that do is read the design ordained and written down by the Lord Jesus Christ and His apostles. Right. And these are the things that He's shown me so far, and I have quite a list that's coming. But these big ones, Christ Central, more of the Holy Spirit, and us being praying people. If there is a need in a conversation after a church service, Grab their hands or lift hands and pray right there. You should feel free to do it. Even huddled in this sanctuary or other rooms in the front or the back. We don't have to wait until Wednesday night. We can pray. Right. We want to have more prayers for the salvation of other people. Like Paul for the conversion and evangelism of the Jews in Romans 10.1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I'm not afraid of that verse. When we, when we pray it, we're praying for the conversion of people. Right. Lord, help us. We want to emphasize spiritual requests like the Holy Spirit, wisdom, Christ revealed to us more faith to incline our hearts after His commandments, to make us go in the way of His precepts, to quicken us and revive us, to forgive us for conversions, for ministers, to open the Scriptures to your pastor and to you, A nation for godliness and national liberties for godliness and honesty. The will of God in our lives. The peace of Jerusalem, meaning the peace of his church. We want to de-emphasize natural things that constitute most prayers by those ignorant of the Bible. Such as health, jobs, money, cars, houses, spouses, weather, accidents. All those things are needful. But they're not as important as your soul. If you pray for your soul first, you won't even have to ask for the other ones. You say, but it says we have not because we ask not. I want to remind you that Solomon did not ask for riches. I want to remind you that Solomon did not ask for the necks of his enemies. I want to remind you of Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I need to hear the next words because I forgot them. all 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 these things shall be added unto you. What are the all things? All the things the Gentiles seek after for this natural, carnal, worldly life. Health, wealth, food, clothing, houses, cars, jobs. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. This is moving the church toward higher ground, if you're listening to me. We can fast to show seriousness with God and it's a good thing in the Bible. Mark read it to us today. This kind, that child difficulty, was not going to be remedied without prayer and fasting. Matthew 17, 21. Matthew Jones on Wednesday evening showed us that that verse is deleted from modern translations of the Bible. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Paul told the Corinthians that they should even avoid having sex between a man and his wife for a little while while they give themselves to fasting and prayer then come together again. It's assumed in the Bible. It's not just an Old Testament practice. It's also in the New Testament. Remember to kneel sometimes. It is a scriptural position in both Testaments. Where's your closet? Where's your prayer chair? Where's your prayer room? Do you have one? A prayer partner is a great thing. Do you have a prayer partner? You know, if you're married, a a spouse is a great prayer partner. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19, that if two of you, that's not very many, that's just me and someone else. If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it will be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. When we have public prayer in this house, You should agree by Amen. And as long as you're not louder than all the men, the women are allowed to say Amen. They did in both Testaments. They're not exerting authority or teaching by saying the word amen. Amen. They're agreeing that the man that just prayed did better than they could. That's why they said Amen. Agree by Amen. Did you know that it's assumed that we're going to say Amen? The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 said... This speaking in tongues, you guys look like barbarians because when visitors come in, they don't know what you're saying. And when you bless by the Spirit in a foreign language, they don't know when to say amen. Because you're supposed to say amen at the giving of thanks and a blessing in a, in a service. Last of 24 points here. And if, if the Lord blesses me with more, they'll be in the outline. Paul only made mention of requests so that he could pray for more. For those of you that come to my house on Tuesday evenings, and for what you saw today and what you heard Wednesday evening, we're going to pray for more things and we're not going to elaborate. The Lord already knows. And I I hope that I can wean you from thinking that it is sacrilegious by just to mention something. But you know what? Whenever I find Paul telling these churches that he prayed for them all the time, He said, I always make mention of you in my prayers. And he tells individuals that, like Philemon in the book of Philemon. We can pray more. Anybody here think that they already prayed too much? We can pray more. We want to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ more. Just make Him more preeminent in our conversation. We want to ask for the Holy Spirit power and presence and fellowship in our lives. And we want to pray more. It's the spiritual exercise that our brethren before us did. It's communicating with God. He loves it. He will bless accordingly. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.